This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, hockey fans. My name is Nick Berlansky, and I'd like to thank you for jumping out of bed and getting into the Hockey Hotbed. We have a great show for you guys today. We're talking about the best of the 2010s goalies. I know the season just started a couple days ago, and you might want me to dive into what has happened thus far, but I'm actually on vacation right now, so, so don't shoot me for that. We'll get into all of that next week. But for right now, I am joined by a very special guest to see if these goaltenders are Hall of Fame worthy or not. And joining me for that conversation is my good buddy, Doug Gladkey of Four Checking TV. How's it going, Doug? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing great on this. What is it right now? It's a sunny August afternoon when we're recording this. So I'm having a great day. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me on, though. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you coming on. You're somebody that I can always rely on. If I, if I need a guest, you're always up to talk hockey. And I think that that's something that me and you have in common. And I'm excited to d- jump into this particular kind of source material with you because it's something that we together have not talked about very often. And that is goaltending around the league. Obviously, once we get to somebody that used to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins, we've both talked about him ad nauseum. But these other five guys that we're going to discuss are not guys that we have discussed at least together very often. And with that, I feel like we should get started with the one that has been the most present in the news as of the last month. Of course, that's King Henrik Lundqvist of the New York Rangers. He retired in August and his number immediately was announced that it was going to be retired by the New York Rangers. 459 career wins, sixth on the all-time NHL list, 900 or 918 save percentage, and a 243 goals allowed average. Dougie, is Henrik Lundqvist a Hall of Famer? I think that out of all of the guys that uh, we're going to discuss today, he is the one that is going to be like guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in my honest opinion, Henrik is the best goalie I've ever seen in my lifetime. I think he's better than Marty Berdur. Um, wow. You know, it's a shame. It's a shame he never won a cup, but everything that he's done, you know, speaks for itself. And I think a big thing that we're going to, uh, that we might, we should discuss, it doesn't really get taken into account very often, even though he did not win any cups, his, um, international play stands for itself. Um, you know, Swede team Sweden was really, really good in national play during his, uh, playing career. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's, that's a big thing. You know, I think that that's important and, you know, they were always relevant, you know, with yeah. him and the Sabine twins, guys like that. Um, but in my opinion, man, uh, Henrik's a first ballot hall of famer. Um, one of the top three grit or top five best goalies of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. D- next to his name, I have yes, 100%. So I, I could not agree more that Henrik Lundqvist he is earmarked for the Hall of Fame the second he is eligible 
Similar with the second guy we're going to talk about, but when you talk about Hank, obviously a five-time Vezina finalist. He did win the award in 2011-12. He played 15 seasons with the New York Rangers, and it is unfortunate that he didn't have a Stanley Cup. But you go back and look at his performance in the 2014 playoffs, a 927 save percentage, 11.2 goals saved above average. I mean, he was a major reason why they were even in that final against the LA Kings. And I know it didn't go too well once they got there, but he played so phenomenally leading up to that point, being able to take that team to the Stanley cup final. That is a tremendous feat in itself. And it's a guy that has been consistent throughout his entire career. Yeah. He wasn't able to get the job done to get the Stanley cup. But as you mentioned, this is the hockey hall of fame, not the NHL hall of fame. Those international competitions are definitely taken into account. And he's, a major reason why Sweden won gold in 2006 at the Olympics. He's also a major major reason why they won gold in the 2017 World Championships. I mean, the guy exuded class basically from start to finish. Yeah, he was a bit of a hothead at points, and I'm sure certain fan bases are always fun to see him go off the handles a little bit. But the guy, I mean, apart from being one of the most attractive human beings on the face of this planet... The guy was the king for a reason, and he did it in such a difficult market to do it. Original six, New York, New York, Broadway. He just, he kind of embraced all of it, and he just kind of made it all his territory, and he became the king of New York, especially New York hockey. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, he was, he was based, he was the entire Rangers franchise from Mm -hmm. the time he came in to the time that he, uh, departed um you know and that's that's a big thing that um we don't talk about often is it's very rare that we see a player get their number retired the same exact day they announce their retirement mm-hmm. um you know obviously they're going to do the ceremony later in the season but you never really see something like that unless it's someone like a Henrik Lundqvist who had that big of an impact on the city and the franchise mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned that he didn't really have much around him. He didn't. I mean, there's some great players that played for the Rangers over the years, but the teams they put together were never stellar teams. They were always headlined by Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, whether it was Chris Drury on the team in 2014 when they added somebody like Martin Saint-Louis, he never really had that much help in New York, and he was still able to put up the numbers that he did, which is absolutely, I mean, it's ridiculous. 30 wins in 11 of 15 seasons, including all of his first seven. It's just an amazing career. And anybody who denies that Henrik Lundqvist is going to be a Hall of Famer is just somebody that is flat out either lying to themselves or never actually watched him play. Exactly. I, I totally agree, Nick. You know, he was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, definitely making the Hall of Fame. Yep. Let's move over to somebody else that was actually making headlines on the day that Henrik Lundqvist retired. And that's Roberto Luongo with his post about, hey, let's do a podcast, two goats, no cups. And that is something else that Roberto Luongo shares with Henrik Lundqvist is neither of them have won a Stanley Cup. Lou played for the Islanders, Florida on two different occasions and for the Vancouver Canucks. Similar to Henrik Lundqvist, Luongo made it to the Stanley Cup finals. That was in 2011 with the Vancouver Canucks against the Boston Bruins. Unfortunately, he fell as well. He retired back in 2019, so he's going to be eligible a little bit sooner than Hank. What are you thinking? Do you think Roberto Luongo is a shoe-in for the Hockey Hall of Fame? 
This one I think is going to be difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. This one might be an interesting case because, you know, you look at the awards he's won. He's never won the Vesna trophy. Mm -hmm. Obviously took the Canucks to the final and ultimately lost. He has one William M. Jennings trophy under his belt. And even though he played for a Canadian market, which is going to help him in the voting, and I think is going to be a major help with a player that we talk about in a few minutes, it's, you know, I don't think that he got a lot of good pull from the media. You know, I think that he, there were all, there was always something being written about Roberto Luongo that was incriminating. And, you know, I think that that was a big part of the reason why for years he was on Twitter and we had no idea that it was him until <laughs> like, really like, you know, he got to Florida and then he loosened back up, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, you know, great goalie. Um, one of the better goalies of the 2000s and the 2010s, but I don't really know if he gets in right away. Mm -hmm. Um, He might get in at some point, but I don't think it's going to be a for sure thing like a Henrik Lundqvist. Really? Because I I disagree on that point. I I think that Luongo, the same thing I wrote down for Lundqvist, I said, yeah, 100%, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. Maybe not first ballot, like you said, but I think that he's going to be in there. And there's there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be there eventually. Fourth all-time in wins in NHL history with 489. Two-time All-Star. You mentioned he won a Jennings Trophy in 2010-11. He might not have won the Vezina, but he was a finalist three different on three different occasions. And he was also a Hart Trophy runner-up in 2006 and 2007. Now, the one thing that I think does go against him a little bit is his personality, as well as the fact that he wasn't really a playoff performer in the NHL. He had a great first postseason. The first time he was there, he was great. The last time he was there with Florida, he was also really good in the postseason. But in between there, he was kind of meh. Even in 2011, he wasn't the greatest when it came to the Vancouver Canucks run there. I mean, he got the job done, but he wasn't standing on his head. He wasn't stellar. He wasn't the Hall of Famer Virtu Luongo that we would be talking about through most of his regular season play. But I think the big thing for him is the fact that Yes, he played in the Canadian market in Vancouver. Yes, he is Canadian, which also helps. And yes, he did win two Olympic gold medals for for Canada. He won two world championships in gold for Canada. He was the 2004 World Cup of Hockey goaltender when they won gold again for Canada. So I think that is the big thing that I'm looking at is, yes, the Hockey Hall of Fame takes into account the entirety of a career. But when you talk about a guy that played for a Canadian market, Played for Team Canada. He, he was basically Team Canada's goaltender for the past, what, 20 years? Since they've actually, something like that. And they've been so successful in that time. I understand those teams have been kind of overpowered, but he was the goaltender backstopping it. So I think that, in my opinion, is why Roberto Luongo is, is a surefire Hall of Famer. First ballot, if not, probably second or third year. Okay. I, I mean, I can see it. I think that, you made a great case. All that stuff might put him over the hump, but like the only reason that I lean the way that I lean is because he's such a divisive player. You know, mm-hmm. it reminds you of a Phil Kessel, but at the goaltending position mm-hmm. in a sense, like where, you know, everywhere he's been, like he departed in a controversial way. Yeah. You know, Cause you got to think like, he was going to be the future of the Islanders. And then Mike Milbury was like, Oh, I just want, I want Rick DiPietro. 
you know, pigeon toss <laughs> them over to Vancouver. Yeah. And then, you know, you had the uh, great goalie controversy uh, between him and Schneider and, you know, Eddie Lack ended up winning the goalie job, got them both shipped out. But I don't know, man. I think that, you know, I think he's a Hall of Famer for sure. I just mm-hmm. don't think that it's going to be a first ballot type basis. Yeah, and we all want to see that Luongo and Lungfist go together on a, on a podcast. That would be 100%. Like, even if they're just guests on, say, Spitting Chicklets at the same time, I think that would be just premium content and premium entertainment for any hockey fan. Yeah, I think it would be great. And I think it opens up a lot of possibilities for, like, getting other goalies on podcasts. Because, like, yeah. there's some there's some good like really good like stuff that comes out of like having goalies as guests. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think about Kevin weeks, a couple weeks ago on spent chicklets and that was, that was phenomenal. So. Yeah. As my brother-in-law has always said, you have to be a little off to be a goaltender. I mean, who else is going to stand there and be like, yeah, shoot a hundred miles an hour, a piece of vulcanized rubber at my head. I'm just going to put it, I'm just going to sit here. Like, there's got to be something off if you're a goaltender. So it's always fun getting to talk to those guys and getting to hear the stories, especially at the guys that played at the highest level and, which both Luongo and Lungfist did, which is why both of us are saying, yes, we're giving them the nod if we had a vote, which maybe one day we will, but right now we technically don't. So <laughs> let's move over to Corey Crawford, a man who spent his entire career in the city limits of Chicago playing for the Blackhawks. He retired prior to last season and finished his career with 260 wins, a 918 save percentage, and a 245 goals allowed average after 13 years with the Chicago Blackhawks. He reeled in two Stanley Cup champions, so... Is Corey Crawford a Hockey Hall of Famer? I'm going to say no. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he makes it, you know. Um, I just think, like, those Blackhawks teams were so good. Yeah. Like, they were they were just absolutely loaded, you mm-hmm. know. And, obviously, I, I give Jonathan Taves a lot of flack. Um, but – those years that they won the cups, he was defensively like he was just magnificent in terms of two way play, really focused on the defensive aspect of the game. And, you know, that was the first team, those guys, the Chicago Blackhawks and the Kings were the first two teams that we really saw roll for consistently solid lines Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, have that depth scoring going to allow them to win Stanley cups. And, you know, I think that Corey Crawford was a beneficiary of that, and I don't think that it helps them at all. It helps his case at all, knowing that they were able to win a the Blackhawks were able to win a Stanley Cup with Anti Niemi backstopping them. Um, you know, I think no offense to Anti Niemi at all, but like <laughs> the the drop off is major when you compare the two. You mm-hmm. know, I mean they were they were anchored by Duncan Keith. And, you know, Brent Seabrook, they were incredible. Having Nick Yalmerson in a limited role as like a second pairing D was also huge for them. And they had so many other big names, you know, especially on that back end. So I think, I think Corey Crawford was more of a byproduct of great teams and not as much as like an elite goaltender. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I also, I also say no to Corey Crawford. I don't think he's a hockey hall of famer. You look at how difficult it is to make the Hockey Hall of Fame as a goaltender, and you have to have a cutoff at some point. And we'll get to that with Jonathan Quick and my opinions about that in a little bit. But Corey Crawford, to me, it's just he was a product of the teams he was playing in. 
and he never had the chance. Maybe if he would have had the chance to go to a different team and he could have turned things around for them and he could have played at the level that he played at without being on the Chicago Blackhawks, the story might be a little bit different. But if you look at the teams that he was on, I mean, Patrick Kane at the height of his powers, Jonathan Taves for all that everybody says about him, he was an extremely good player and an extremely good leader. And you look at some of the other players they had on there. I mean, Marion Hosa, people forget how good he was for the Chicago Blackhawks. So not that Corey Crawford was ever a bad goaltender. And that's the reason we're talking about him because he was one of the top goaltenders of the decade. That's that's why he's in this conversation, but never a Vezina finalist. He was able to get 30 wins in only half of his seasons behind that team, especially. And realistically, if you look at his international play, it just doesn't stack up. He was a gold medalist in the 2016 World Cup of Hockey for Team Canada. I don't even think he started in that in that tournament. So, no. yeah, he, he was a good goaltender. He was one of the best of the decade. But do I think that he is Hall of Fame material? I'm not on that boat. I'm not. And I was going to say that I'm not quite on that boat, but I'm not even close to being on that boat right now. I, I think that he clearly is a product of the team he played for. If you look at it, what, Marion Hossa is inducted into the Hall of Fame already? So... I mean, <laughs> that's already one player that he's played with that's in the Hall. And then you're going to have to notice that Taves is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Keith is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Seabrook might get into the Hall of Fame. Um, did I mention, I think I said Kane already. Um, Jalmerson, probably a, a far cry from it. But Jalmerson, as you mentioned, was really good. So he's playing behind a lot of Hall of Fame players. And he was great in his own right, but I don't think he was Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, and the big thing with Chicago that we they we didn't touch on was, um, you know, you ha- we talked about like the high end players like Hosa, Kane, guys like that. You know, you had Andrew Ladd, Brandon Sod, guys like that. They were probably playing third line minutes. Yeah. You know, and that that's a big, I mean, that's huge, you know, like consistently having a player of that caliber, a first line caliber player playing on your third line every single mm-hmm. night. That's, that's the recipe for success in terms of winning a championship. So a lot of people widely consider that 2015 Chicago Blackhawks team is the best team of the decade. So, I mean, you look at that and you look at the fact that Crawford backstopped that team to a, to a cup. Yeah. It it goes to show that he did play on some great teams. He was a great player. Again, not trying to take anything away from him, but I don't think he's a hall of famer. Let's move on to uh, somebody else. That's pretty similar to Corey Crawford. Let's talk about Jonathan Quick, who played on some very good Los Angeles Kings team teams. Excuse me. Uh, Dougie, is Jonathan Quick a Hockey Hall of Famer in your opinion? No chance. Um, no. You know, I, I don't see it. Jonathan Quick, to me, is very comparable to Matt Murray. Um, hmm. You know, it's like, it's like a Matt Murray if the Penguins actually paid him and kept him long term. Because you got you got to think of it this way. After Jonathan Quick got his two cups, it just started steady decline, steady decline, and then it just is it's completely off a cliff at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he is the backup right now to Cal Peterson in Los Angeles to start this year. So it that that is pretty evident as to how the back half of his career is gone. But I mean, you still look at the front half of his career. He has already 15 seasons on with the same team. He's made the all-star game once. He's a two-time Jennings Trophy winner in 2013-14. And 2017-18. So, I mean, you say there's a drop-off there, but he was able to have a really good season in 2017-18. Basically, the only reason I think the Kings made the postseason and the only reason that they were even able to have a good series against the Vegas Golden Knights in round number one. But at the same time, no Vezina 
trophies. He was a two-time finalist. As you mentioned, he's a two-time Stanley Cup winner, and he was a Conn Smythe winner, which is great. Same thing as Corey Crawford, though. Uh, six out of his 14 seasons, he had 30 wins, but in six other times, he had under a 9-10 save percentage, which is pretty unsavory if you're looking for a Hockey Hall of Fame bid. So, no, I, I also agree. I don't think Jonathan Quick is Hockey Hall of Fame material. I think if it was the Hall of Very Good, which is something that goes around a lot, Jonathan Quick would be in it especially for his performance throughout the entirety of this decade, more so the front half, and then also his 2017-18, which he just kind of turned back the clock. But it's not the Hall of Very Good. It's the Hall of Fame, and I know they don't stick to it all the time, but I think what I would like to do is stick to it when I'm making my predictions. So that's why I don't have Jonathan Quick making the Hall of Fame. Plus, keep this in mind, Nick. Throughout his career, he's had phenomenal backups or phenomenal mm-hmm. like partners in a tandem because you got to think. Jonathan Bernier, Martin Jones, Ben Bishop for a minute, Darcy Kemper for a minute, and now Cal Peterson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Peter Budai was no slouch either when he was in L.A. He was actually very good as well. So, I mean, that's something I don't even have down here. I didn't even think about who his backups have all been, and that, that has helped him a lot. But, yeah, that major drop in play the last three seasons is, it's an indictment on his chances. I mean, especially if, he, he fades into oblivion with three or four more years as a backup goaltender. I know that we shouldn't judge players about what they finish their careers off doing, but sometimes the difference between fading into oblivion versus doing what, say, Carey Price did last season or doing what, say, Marc-Andre Fleury did last season, that's the difference between a Hall of Fame bid and just a lot of fond memories for the Los Angeles Kings faithful. So I say no to Jonathan Quick, and, and you agree and I think, listen, he might get moved. He might get a little opportunity like Marc-Andre Fleury did. Hey, move to a new team that needs a chance. Show that you can carry a team to some extent. But as of right now, didn't seem like too many teams were interested. And he's going to be backing up Cal Peterson to start the season. Yeah, I was so scared this summer it was going to be Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> I thought, I literally thought that Ron Hextall was going to pull off another Jeff Carter esque where it's like, hey, here's Jonathan Quick at 50% retained. Get him off our hands type deal. But man, like that's the thing. Like, I just about all the goalies we're gonna touch on, all of them with the exception of Jonathan Quick were really good into their mid to late thirties. Mm-hmm. You know, like Luanga was phenomenal that second stint in Florida. Henrik Lundquist was still fin- phenomenally consistent mm-hmm. you know and then obviously the two guys we haven't touched on i mean they've made cup appearances in the past three years yeah. so. another week of the nfl season means another shot to win big at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl new customers can bet just one dollar on any nfl game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a single point. Now, the last 0-0 tie in NFL history was in 1943, so I would say that's a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long in the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THBN. 
throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a single point. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, and let's get into the first of those two now, and that's Carey Price for the Montreal Canadiens. Obviously, for him, a lot of it has been pressure for Montreal playing in one of the biggest markets in the NHL, not winning any Stanley Cups, coming so close last year by getting to the Stanley Cup Finals, bowing out in five games to what was clearly a superior team in the Tampa Bay Lightning, but the guy has 360 career wins, a 917 career save percentage, and a 2.50 goals allowed average. Now entering his 15th season with Montreal, he's made an all-star game. He's won a Jennings Trophy. He's won a Vezina Trophy. He's won a Lester B. Pearson Award. And he's won a Hart Trophy. Oh, wait. All of those were in 2014-15. So if you look outside of Carey Price's 2014-15 season, is he a Hall of Famer? Yes. Yes? I I, th- I think he is. Um, you know, and he's going to obviously... Canadian voting is going to be a big thing, but you know, he was also a big part of a lot of, you know, Olympic teams for team Canada. He was the goalie for the world cup of hockey when they won Mm -hmm. in 17, you know? And I mean, him being able to get retribution, get that deep cup run, although they came up short, I think that pretty much cements it. Um, And I think that, you know, health, health depending, but, uh, you know, he, he can have a nice little two to three year run here to finish out his career because, you know, having Jake Allen there helps him. Um, mm-hmm. I think the big thing that always hurt Carey Price in the playoffs was he had to play like 65, 70 games a year. Yeah. And then by the time he gets to the playoffs, he's burnt out, you know. But now you have Jake Allen and, you know, you're, you have other guys that you can just like bounce them off of each other and you know, allow him to be in a position to succeed where he can able be where he can rest his body and continue to like string together consistent greatness. Not to mention, I mean, you mentioned Jake Allen, he'll have somebody to, to kind of spell him in net, but not to mention the fact that he has a much better team in front of him than he's had for the majority of his career. The Montreal Canadiens, when it comes to how their forward core and D core have looked throughout the career of Carey Price, I mean, for a while, it was Shea Weber and, uh, yeah, and five other guys on the blue line. And, and that fell on Carey Price, and he was able to usually keep them fairly competitive. But, like you said, he, he was always gassed by the time he got to the playoffs. Hence the reason that his postseason numbers are not great. But in the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs, I mean, the 13-9 and record, 924 save percentage, 3.7 goals saved above average. It was a pretty good performance for Carey Price. And, yeah, he struggled in the first couple of games of the Stanley Cup final, but I think that's just a microcosm of what you just mentioned earlier, is they leaned on him so much that by the time that he got to the point where it really matters, he was he was tired. And that might have been a reason of what happened at the beginning of the Stanley Cup finals, and that might have kind of 
told the story right there of, of the Canadians' chances that, that he was already burnt out. And you mentioned he's successful international play for Canada. He's played on basically Canada's team, the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, Toronto fans will argue that, but nonetheless. Now, this is the one that I told you before we started recording. I'm not sure because Ooh, okay. Carey Price has been great in international play. That Okay, that is good. Carey Price had a great 2014-15 season, one of the best seasons we've seen a goaltender have outside of Patrick Waugh and Martin Brodeur. Yes. But other than that, a lot of his seasons have been, uh, you look at it and, yeah, sure, the numbers are great, but what have you won? And I hate to say that because, I mean, he hasn't gotten much help. And that's why I, I, you've kind of talked me into it. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be silly of me not to say that Carey Price is a Hall of Famer and to leave him out because of, you know, the failures of the general managers over the years. But I think, especially once we see what these last couple of years hold for him, because there could be some some really good moments for Carey Price coming up with that team getting better. I think that he is going to be all the famer. Do I think he's a first ballot? No, I, I disagree with a lot of people. A lot of people are going to say, you know, Carey Price, you know, he was a Hart Trophy winner as a goaltender. That's that's fine, and he, he does have all this hardware, but a lot of it stems from one performance from one season. And a lot of other performances have been impressive, but to me, he's a Hall of Famer, but it's going to take him a little bit longer than people expect, I feel. Okay, that's an interesting argument. Um, one big thing I just want to touch on, mm-hmm. Carey Price's legacy may have been destroyed just by Mark Bergevin losing one trade. Literally, if they had Mikhail Sergachev yeah. on that defense this year, they, they, they steamroll everybody. Yeah, definitely a trade that did not work out for the Habs. And you think about how good Sergachev has been for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then you think about what Jonathan Duran has been for the Montreal Canadiens, and it's it's tough. It, it really is. And that's, again, I, I say it again, a microcosm of what Carey Price's career has been. Just not getting enough help and yeah. trading away the help that he could have had. Mm-hmm. So you say yes. I say yes as well. Uh, I think it takes a little bit longer. But now I think we're at the main event. And this is somebody that uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting because we both obviously know a lot about him, and that's the flower. Marc-Andre Fleury playing seasons with the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Vegas Golden Knights, and now the Chicago Blackhawks. 492 career wins, currently third all-time on the NHL's leaderboard in history. A career 913 save percentage, 255 goals allowed average, heading into his 18th season this year. First with the Chicago Blackhawks, Dougie. Is Marc Andre Fleury destined for the Hockey Hall of Fame? Yes. Yes. I think he is. <laughs> you know, obviously he has three cups. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really a factor in two of them, but man, like he's gonna have like, like depending on how much longer he plays, he might finish with like close to five hundred fifty wins. You know, yeah. and I think. I think that's big. You know, he's probably going to be what? – what is he right now in wins? Like He's third. Top, third. Yeah, I think that he can get so super close to Marty Broder. Really? Um, hmm. Obviously not 
I'm looking at that right now. Um, He's 59 away from Patrick Waugh for second. 59 wins. He's 199 away from Martin Broder. He'll finish second all-time in wins, um, I think. I think that he can pass that 551 mark with uh, Patrick Waugh. Um, obviously, Marty, like, that's that's not going to happen. He'd have to play. <laughs> Looks like he'd probably have to play five more years. At least. I, I would think at least. That's not happening. I mean, you know, he won a Vesna trophy this year, but, you know, the wheels may start to fall off the bus soon. And, you know, um, I'm curious to see how he does in Chicago this year. Um, mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, I think they're going for broke, trying to get Kane and Taves one more cup. Um, obviously, they have good young pieces around the, around the older core with um, Debrinket and Kirby Dock and guys like that, you know, but that Seth Jones trade was risky. Yeah. Um, they gave up way too much. I think Adam Boakfist is more could be more productive than Seth Jones, you know, and mm-hmm. that that really sucks for them to lose a guy like that just for you know somebody who you know I mean Seth Jones isn't a bad player, but if you look at him in the analytics community, it's like he has basically the same career trajectory as that of a Jack Johnson, you know, oh, high end draft pick. High-end draft pick has this weird word-of-mouth type um, reputation around the league, and GMs can't get out of their own way in um, giving up legitimate assets for them. Now, the argument for Marc-Andre Fleury, and I think what you're you're talking about with him with Chicago is going to be a really important piece to his entire resume right now because playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins – there's the argument of, okay, is he a Hockey Hall of Famer or did he just play with Hockey Hall of Famers? Kind of the argument we made for Corey Crawford when he was playing with those Blackhawks teams. So obviously Flurry for those several years, playing with Crosby, playing with Malkin at the height of their powers, playing with Jordan Stahl at the height of his powers, Phil Kessel at the height of his powers as well. He did win three Stanley Cups, so there's that argument. You know, the Stanley Cups make that big of a difference. If they do, do you count all three of Flurries because two of them he was, I mean, I would say he has one and a half because of his performance in the front half of the 2017 Stanley Cup playoffs. But at the same time, then he goes to Vegas and you say, oh, well, he kind of was the first superstar of the 31st team in the NHL in the Vegas Golden Knights. He carried them to the Stanley Cup finals in their inaugural season. Well, then you look at the fact that, yeah, that team's also very good as well. <laughs> I mean, now you look at them with Mark Stone, Mark, uh, Pacioretty as well. And Shea Theodore now looking at being a perennial Norris candidate. And you're like, well, he went from one really good team to another really good team. They might not have a generational talent as their first line center, but they're another really good team. And yes, Fleury was important to that, but he wasn't the only piece. So now he goes to Chicago and people are going to say the same things. Well, you have Patrick Kane. Well, you have Jonathan Tapes. Well, you have Alex DeBrinkett coming into his own. Seth Jones. For those who think Seth Jones is good, cool. You can say that argument. I don't think Seth Jones is good. I agree with the analytics community. I think he's overrated. But there's still going to be people that say that. But realistically, Patrick Kane is great and all, but he's still on the back half of his career. Jonathan Taves hasn't played hockey in, what, 15 months? Over 15 months? We'll yeah, see but how he's that... probably going to be a third-line center. Exactly. We'll, we'll see how that even shows up. 
And it's a very young team. So if Marc-Andre Fleury can do it in Chicago, that just adds to his legacy. Mm-hmm. I also say yes. My answer is that he is going to be a Hockey Hall of Famer. You can call it bias or whatever because I'm from Western Pennsylvania and every, everything that comes with that. But, I mean, the guy has won 30 games in 9 of 17 seasons. He might not be a great playoff performer, which he's not. Let, let's not lie. 2008, amazing in that run to only lose to the Red Wings. 2017, he was great in those first two rounds. 2018, he was fantastic leading that team in Vegas the whole way to the Stanley Cup final. Other than that, the playoffs were not good. <laughs> if you were to just look at his playoff performances minus that and say, what is what do you think is this guy a hockey Hall of Famer? I'd say you're lucky that guy is a starter in this league. He was that bad at points. I don't think the listeners understand like how important it is that I actually gave Mark Andre Fleury a vouch of confidence for the hockey hall of fame. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows I absolutely despise him. Um, as a player, not as a person. No, no. As a person, he's awesome. But yeah. <laughs> as a player, he's just so, I think he's so overrated, you know, but, um, and honestly, I can't, I can never forgive him for the way that he, he performed in the playoffs in the early 2010s, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they, he, he single-handedly cost Crosby and Malkin a Stanley cup, like an extra Stanley cup. Yeah. Like he, he cost the legacies of those, of those two and crystal Tang to go into the immortality phase just because he was horrible. Um, like and horrible is putting it lightly, Yeah, but um, to touch on, how much help he's going to have in Chicago. You know, he, he has a really, really good uh, guy to bounce off of in Kevin Lankin. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's sick. He's really good goalie. And, you know, you pair him with pair flower with him, And I think that that sets up for a lot of good things to happen for Chicago. Um, you know, he's able to get a fourth cup, man. That's, that's big, you know, and it's like four, four cups, six Stanley cup final appearances, you know, we, we, we say that he wasn't a great playoff goalie, but like that, that stands for itself, Nick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right. And I don't even think he needs the cup. You, you take the Chicago Blackhawks to a Stanley cup final in the next two years, you're solidified. And, And the other thing that we haven't even mentioned is the fact that the NHL loves and the hockey hall of fame itself loves when the players they induct have some of the most memorable moments in hockey history. Does Marc-Andre Fleury not have some of the most memorable saves in hockey history? I mean, look no further than the, the last image that was up there a couple minutes ago. Saving the game in Game 7 in 2009 against Nick Lidstrom diving across the crease. Obviously, one of the most memorable saves in NHL history. The big save he had on Eric Carlson in a random game. Just a huge windmill glove save. The glove save he had against the Toronto Maple Leafs that spelled the end for the Mike Babcock era in Toronto. I mean, the guy has had some ridiculous moments. And the Hockey Hall of Fame looks at that. And yes, is Marc-Andre Fleury a shoe-in? No. Do I think he is eventually a Hockey Hall of Famer? Yes, I do. Because one, French-Canadian. They gotta love that. Two, he, he did win an Olympic gold medal. He didn't really do much, but he, he sat there and opened the gate for Team Canada in 2010. And and the guy is just overall lovable. I, I mean, you say you hate him as a player because he's overrated. I think that's a sentiment that 
a, a lot of Penguins fans have that just got soured over the fact that everybody was still crying that he was in Vegas three years after the fact. And, and I think that it is true to an extent that he, he was pretty overrated when he left Pittsburgh. But it's just because of how much people like him, I guess. I, I think they're willing to look past the abysmal playoff performances. They're willing to look past some of the bad actual regular seasons just because the guy doesn't go anywhere without a smile on his face. So it it's a weird legacy that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to leave. And the story is not done being written by any stretch of the word. Uh, he has one year left on his current contract, play with Chicago. Who knows what he does after that? Does he retire? Does he go back to Pittsburgh? Does he go to a completely new organization? Who knows? We know he won't go back to Vegas. That's That's a fact. But we'll see how his legacy ends. But as of right now, I think... He is a Hockey Hall of Famer. I think he, he catches Patrick Waugh, which further cements the fact that, listen, if there's only one other goaltender in the history of the NHL that has more wins than you, and that's Martin Brodeur, it's pretty hard to deny that guy a, a bid in, into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, and all I'm going to say about Fleury's legacy is um, I don't find it a coincidence that Fleury and Casey dismissed contracts line up. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just saying it. I think we're going out last dance, 90s bull style. Yeah, I mean, that that would be interesting. Um, I'm not sure that's what Jim Rutherford had in mind when he signed Casey DeSmith to that two-year extension. But uh, I think that's what, he, what, he, what it was because he tried trading for the guy three different times. Yeah, well, we'll see uh, where Ron Hextall lays on that. I mean, it, apparently he, he did attempt it, but who knows how much of that is the truth. But let's finish off this episode ranking these six goaltenders now doug you sent me your rankings over and ironically mine are pretty similar um so in sixth we both have Corey crawford and in fifth we have jonathan quick i i think it's pretty obvious that that's why we have those two guys there because of how much better the other four are i don't think that's an indictment on the bottom two there but i think it's more so showing the level of the top four mm-hmm yeah, and I think with the top four, uh, Nick, it's one of those things where you can rank them any which way. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing that's so awesome. Um, honestly, like we've been we've been very fortunate to see these four guys at the height of their game um, and us actually be able to remember it. You know, mm-hmm. you and I don't remember much about, you know, Patrick Waugh or Marty Brodeur at the height of their powers, or Dominic Hoshik when he was literally the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but these four men, like, it's it's big. Now, do you want me to give the rankings list right now? Yeah, go for it. All right. So my my one through six, it was, Luong, it was um, Lundquist, Luongo, Flurry, Price, Jonathan Quick, and Corey Crawford. Mm-hmm. So we actually had, and I'll throw it up here, we had identical lists here both of us have that Lungfist, luongo flurry price quick crawford the big discrepancy that i think people are going to give us is mark andre flurry over carry price what reasons do you have for putting flower above carry i think a lot of it comes down to cups uh nick because you know flurry won three stanley cups he's been to the stanley cup final five different times um and you know I think that that amounts to something, especially to the guys who vote for the Hockey Hall of Fame. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, 
obviously weird comparison, but like Kevin Lowe made it into the hockey hall of fame this past year, you know? And that was a guy who was most comparable to like a Brent Seabrook type of defenseman and mm-hmm. on those uh, Oilers teams in the eighties. And, um, you know, he probably, he probably shouldn't have been in, but you know, he got in cause he had the cups. Um, yeah. so I think that, you know, flurry having three cups is going to help him a lot, but, um, you know, honestly, man, that three, four, it, it is, it is a toss up because yeah. I mean, literally like I was, Obviously, I sent you my list rather quickly, but I was just sitting there for that minute or two thinking like, okay, like, how am I actually going to do this? You know, because they're both incredible goalies. They both have meant so much to their respective franchises. And, you know, honestly, though, I think Fleury has the edge. Yeah, I think when you look at this list itself, and I'll throw it back up there one more time. I think one and two is pretty obvious. Five and six is pretty obvious. And three and four, as you mentioned, that that is the crapshoot right there. I mean, Carey Price, that 2014-15 season should be enough alone to get, get recognition, and it and it will be. But the fact is, I, I feel like Marc-Andre Fleury was able to just do it at a more consistent level. I think Carey Price, people would always say, you know, he's overrated, he's getting paid too much, and, and that's a big portion of it too, and that's the thing with today's NHL. Everybody knows how much everybody's paying, and that is so important right now to analysts, apparently, and it's just what we look at a lot of, and the fact that Carey Price is making the number that he's making on that team, and some people even hold it against him that, hey, you haven't had a lot of people around you because you're, you're getting paid so much money, which is complete farce. It is a complete farce. The reason that he doesn't have a team around him is because management can't put a team around him. They've failed to do so, but that 3-4, like you said, could go either way. I have Flurry up there, uh, probably partially because of bias. I'm not going to lie to anybody. Uh, it, it might partially be because of bias, but also because, I mean, you look at what he did last season. At the age of 36, he won the Vezina Trophy. It's, it's incredible. It's literally something that when I look at next season and when I look at the next couple of seasons, who do I think will be the better goaltender? Who do I think will get their team further along? I think it's flurry, even if he's with Chicago. So it's a difficult decision. It's a fun little conversation that we've had. And I thank you, Doug, for joining me for this conversation. Now, let all of our listeners know where they can find you on social media and what you got coming up for for checking TV. All right. So you can find me on Twitter um, at Doug underscore Glatke. Be sure to follow for checking on TV on Twitter at for checking TV. And as of right now, Nick, I don't really think that we have anything major coming up. Obviously, had a lot of very big momentum coming off of that big Brock McGinn interview that we were able to do mm-hmm. and a couple other things, um, you know. But we're taking a little break right now. Uh, my co-host, Scotty, just moved back into college for his senior year. So I'm just kind of let, letting him get acclimated, figure out, like, when his schedule works best for him. And, you know, I, need, I needed a little break. Um, you know, I do all this stuff on the side whenever I'm working, like, like I work like 70 to 80 hours a week and, you know, I still find time to do some forechecking TV related stuff because I love talking hockey and, you know, this is, this is my true passion. This is what I want to turn into a profession, but, um, nothing major coming up, but just follow forechecking TV on Twitter. And whenever something big happens, we'll be sure to let you know. 
Well, Doug, one last time, thank you for joining and thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. I, again, I apologize for not having instant reactions of the first handful of games of the NHL season, but I'll get you on Tuesday. I will have all of my analysis and reactions to the first week of the 2021-22 NHL season this next Tuesday here on the Hockey Hotbed. But again, one last thank you to Doug Gladkey for joining the show. As he mentioned, check him out on 4Checking TV. And we will see you guys next week.